It's hard to tell which sites are safe and which are downright sketchy. But with Cox Panoramic Wi-Fi Advanced Security, it's easy. It protects all your connected devices, helps you avoid sketchy sites, and even sends real-time alerts straight to your inbox or phone. Plus, you can always check in with the Panoramic Wi-Fi app. So the only surprises are that there are no surprises. Learn more at cox.com pano. Restrictions apply. Copyright 2020 Cox Communications, Inc. All rights reserved. I'm David Eliku, and this is The Knowledge, a place for discussing big ideas and pressing issues. Each week, I'll be joined by a variety of incredibly interesting individuals for learnings, musings, and discerning chinwags on everything you need to know to navigate the world around you. This week, I'm joined by baker and food stylist Benjamin Arebuahi. She's the author of an amazing cookbook, The New Way to Cake, and a co-founder of The Sister Table. She's sharing with me her journey to becoming a master baker, her experience making it to the quarterfinal of the Great British Bake Off, and what she's been cooking during the coronavirus lockdown. You can find Benjamina on social media, at Baked by Benji, and at The Sister Table. So in terms of your food journey, where would you say that all began? It's a weird one. I think like with with most people, well, I think most people, it kind of starts from a young age where, well, for me, just being in the kitchen, watching my mum cook all the time, like I was the child who would kind of just be watching her and, oh, well, let me try this, let me try that, or oh, what are you doing? And just found it really fascinating. So I've always kind of been um, really intrigued by food and the way that you can just kind of mix things together and suddenly you've got something completely new. Um, and then growing older, I guess, realising that it was more than just, oh, I really like foods. It was became more of a hobby and something that I wanted to learn more about and the more I read the more I wanted to try and the more I tried the more I realized there was so much more to kind of know within the giant world of food um and then I guess I've always had a sweet tooth as well so baking and that sweet pastry side really grabs me the most like cake is cake is great everyone loves cake Um, (laughs) (laughs) who doesn't love cake so being able to kind of learn and say oh actually I want to be able to make cakes myself and whenever I want it and try new new styles and so yeah my mum bought me um a a kid's cookbook when I was younger Um, I still remember actually to this day and that I kind of started working my way through that um, through all the recipes and that, which was really simple. Looking back, it was, you know, super, super basic, you know, fairy cakes, biscuits. But I think that was just a good kind of entryway into, yeah, learning how to bake and follow recipes and experiment that way. Yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense. And I guess you must have really been into it to have gone through all the recipes. Would you say that you were like a natural, did it come to you naturally or was it something that you feel like you had to work out a lot to develop? I think I did have that kind of natural aptitude for following the recipe. And even if it didn't work, but kind of go, being able to go back and say, okay, what did I do wrong? Where did I go wrong? Why is it, I don't know, too dry? Why is it too wet? Um, 
and that kind of desire to to get it right I think especially within baking is super super important because it is so technical um so I think there was a natural aptitude for um following the recipes and wanting them to come out as they're supposed to um but also it is baking is something that you do have to work on you could be the most gifted natural um Mm -hmm. baker but it does take a lot of work um there are so many things that you just have to you just have to feel it and get the feel of it to know when it's right and when it's wrong. And that just comes through through practice. So a bit of both. And I think the fact that you started with the basics probably made a big difference as well, because I know for me, that's not really, I, I'm never really one to start with the most basic things. And I probably should have, because <laughs> I think, well, you know what? I, I'm a decent baker and, okay. and there's some things that I've made that have turned out great. Um, and, and like really good and people like it and all of that. But then sometimes I try these very adventurous things. And I think a lot of this is because I haven't ever really just sat down and made a basic sponge cake or, you know, made like basic fundamental things. Yeah. And once you get those fundamentals like solid, it is so much easier Mm. to spot what's gone wrong because you know you know you've got your 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 basics down so you know oh if I had whisked it more it would have been like this it's so much easier to kind of spot um the yeah what you've done wrong when you've got the basics down so I'd recommend getting the foundation good (laughs) (laughs) before you you know (laughs) what would you say are the biggest kind of key skills that you need as a baker to lock down Mm. patience is a huge one um, it okay. can be so frustrating when you have tried a recipe a gazillion times and it's just not clicking. But that patience to try it again and try again and try again and try again um, is super, super important in the in the long term. Um, but also following recipes. I know a lot of people who say they love cooking will say that oh, baking is just it's just too strict and too rigid. Um, and I do get that. But being able to follow a recipe and understand I guess the terminology and follow the steps um, properly is most likely to give you good results every time so um, I think that can be quite off-putting for people just having to follow a recipe where cooking is a lot more kind of freestyle you can throw stuff in you can salvage it halfway whereas baking once it's in the oven that's that's it you just you know cross your fingers and hope for the best so (laughs) yeah yeah Speaking of recipes, though, I know you have a cookbook, The New Way to Cake. Yes, yes, I do. I do. All about my favourite things, cake. (laughs) Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, what was that process like? Because I think, again, that is one of the coolest things in the world, to have your own cookbook with your own recipes. Yeah, it was, I mean, something that I always wanted to do. Just, it was one of those little ideas at the back of your mind, and you thought, I'd be really cool to have my own cookbook, like, to have your like your words and your recipes and your ideas like sitting on people's shelves and that they use you know when they're looking for a recipe that to me was just incredible so it's something I always wanted to do but the process was very very difficult um it was one of the most challenging things I think I've done today um it was it's really intense and I think there's one thing um coming up with one or two recipes for a blog or for Instagram, for social media. And there's another thing coming up with, you know, 50, 60 for a book and then testing them and testing them again because you want them to work. The worst thing is someone trying your recipe and they said, oh, it didn't work. That is just 
you know, awful. You want it to work every single time for people. Um, so working to really, really strict deadlines was a tough one. And just coming up with such a vast amount of recipes um, within such a small deadline and having to test them all again and again and again was really, really intense. And it's quite a lonely process. Um, it's just you in your kitchen day in, day out, trying something that doesn't quite work, but it works in your head and you can see it, but you just have to kind of make it work in real life. And then actually having to write it all up and write your intros and explain why you've chosen certain ingredients and recipes and really get the reader um, into your story and and, and, and and excited about the recipes was, um, yeah, lots of challenges, lots and lots of challenges. But um, it's one of those things, It's I would do it again for sure. Um, at the time of writing it, it was very much, I'm never doing this again. This is awful. Uh, <laughs> who asked me to write a cookbook? Why? Who sent me here? But once you're on the other side, I always like liking it to labour, um, like women giving birth. At the time, it's horrific. And you're just like, I'm never doing this again. One and done. But the child comes, you know, the book gets released and it's like, oh, my gosh, that was great. It wasn't that bad, was it? And we could do it again. I could do this again. I could do another one. So, yeah, it's a really, really strange process, but I would definitely do another one. Awesome. I mean, I need to get the um, the first one as a gift for my mum, but yes. I'll definitely look forward to the next one. <laughs> what was the process like of picking the, the recipes? Because I know you were saying you, you try all the different ones. Was it more kind of your favorite things that go in or just the ones that maybe turn out the best? And also the, the process of, did you come up with all of them from scratch completely or were they kind of based on things that you were already familiar with? Mm, so there were a few recipes that I'd kind of already had that I loved so much that I wanted to include. Um, so there was about three that I'd already kind of had put out before that I'm um, included with a few tweaks. But the rest of them were pretty much from scratch, scratch, scratch. So the way, I mean, every uh, recipe writer will have different processes of doing it. But the way I did it was um, I always had just a massive brainstorm. So like just get loads of paper and just write down all the flavours that I really love um, and just write everything down, all the ingredients that I like to use, all the spices I like to use, all the different flours and sugars I really like to incorporate. And then just do loads of like spider diagrams and connecting different flavors and thinking, oh, what could go well with that? What could go well with this? Um, and then that's kind of how it took shape. And a lot of things kind of just stayed on paper and didn't really work in real life but majority of them you know with a lot of kind of tweaks and going back and forth um turned into into recipes that made it into the book um which was really cool okay sweet i have three questions mm. that i wanted to ask you about your <laughs> about your cookbook <laughs> so one was um what is your the favorite recipe to eat that you enjoy eating the most Okay. And then also the one you enjoy making the most, because I know that sometimes that can be different, especially if there's something that maybe is slightly more complicated or it's more fulfilling to finally mm. create. And that might be as part of the ideation process in terms of, you know, maybe it's something you worked really hard at to make it work for it to be included or mm. I don't know. And then the third is based on feedback, like what do you think has had the best reception? Mm, good question. So the first one, what is my favourite to eat? Oh, it would probably be 
oh gosh there are so many to choose from but if I really fancied a cake and I wanted to eat one it would probably be the pistachio cardamom and lemon loaf that's one of my just all-time like favorite cakes that I've done um so it's kind of like a, a riff on a lemon drizzle but um is made up of a lot more ground pistachios and some ground almonds and a lot of cardamom, which is one of my favourite spices to use. Um, so, yeah, a lemon drizzle, but with a bit of a twist. So it's really nutty um, and you've got that kind of citrusy element from the lemon and from the cardamom as well. Um, yeah, that's one of my favourites to eat. With a cup of tea, that's a good that's a good cake. Really? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> and then favourite to make... Mm. I think I'll go for is a cake called the almond brittle cake and it's a really it's a really cool cake to make because it feels so counterintuitive so the base is um uh like a really light uh whisked sponge cake um with a bit of again with a bit of cardamom in there um and then you bake that and about three quarters of the way through the baking, you take it out and then you top it with um, this almond brittle. So it's a mix of some flaked almonds um, in a like a brown sugar kind of caramel. And then you put that on top of the cake, spread it out and then put it back in the oven. And so when it does bake, when it comes out, you've got a really soft underneath and then this crunchy almond brittle on top. So it's a really cool contrast of textures, which is why I love it. And it's really fun to make because you're taking a cake like halfway out through the oven and it's like, oh my gosh, don't do that. Um, And then you put the almonds on top and it just, when it cools down, it gets this really crunchy caramelly um, topping, which is, yeah, it's a really fun one to make. And the last one, remind me what the last one was. So what has had the best reception in terms of feedback? Hmm. Uh, The one that people, yeah, it's one that people have made a lot and have like tagged me on Instagram, which I wasn't expecting because you have, you have my own favorites, but you never know what people are going to be drawn to. But there was one cake in the, um, in the caramel chapter of the book and it's an apple apple and sage caramel cake um and i think because it's got sage in it which is traditionally used in like savory cooking people are like oh sage in a cake that's so weird so i think people did um were drawn to that to make it but it's such a cool such a really cool cake and everyone that has made it well that has tagged me in it has said how much they like it because it's just so unexpected so the sage is infused into the caramel and then you've got a really like moist, soft apple sponge um, underneath. And it's, yeah, just really fragrant from from the sage and that sweetness from the apple and a bit of caramel as well. So I think people appreciated how kind of unexpected it was because I think most people haven't used sage in a cake before. But um, yeah, I love incorporating incorporating herbs into cakes as well. That's so interesting. Yeah, no, you're definitely right, because I would never have thought to put sage in a cake. (laughs) It's a weird one, but it works, especially like herbs like thyme. There's cakes with thyme in there with rosemary. Um, It just gives such a different dimension to to flavour. And I think like cakes don't have to just be pure like sugar. I don't think you should have a cake and the first thing you have is just sugar on your tongue. I think cakes can be just as complex as savoury cooking. And so incorporating herbs mm. is a really cool way to to play around with that. Okay, that makes sense. 
I I must admit I did lie. I said I had three questions. I've actually just thought of one more. <laughs> Go for it. <laughs> I really want to try and make something from your cookbook. Ooh. But you need to tell me what is the easiest thing to make. <laughs> okay. <laughs> what is the easiest? This is what no, I get this question a lot. For my friends who like don't bake at all, they're like, okay, you want to support and make a cake, but which one is like really easy? And yeah. There are two. So I think one is the masala chai carrot cake. And people hear okay. carrot cake and think, oh my that gosh, carrot sound. cake. <laughs> yeah, they, they're literally like, carrot cake, that sounds so complicated. Oh my gosh. And I'm like, carrot cake is actually one of the easiest cakes to make because you don't need like a, um, a stand mixer. You don't need any fancy equipment. It is just kind of put it in the bowl, mix it up, put it in the oven. And it it's one of those cakes that it looks impressive and it looks like you've spent hours and hours on it, but it is quite a simple one. So the masala chai okay. carrot cake, I would recommend. And also the um, the peanut butter banana bread is a good one as well. Because again, that is yes. just one bowl. You don't need any fancy equipment, just a bowl and a spoon and you're good to go. Stick it in the oven. So those two are the ones that I recommend for people who are a bit like, oh, I don't bake, but I want to try it. So yeah, I'd recommend those two. Awesome. I've just written both of those down. The second one definitely sounds like it's right up my alley. But the first one, I think I'll use that to impress, you know, my mum and my friends. Yeah, that's a good one. So, oh my gosh, look, I made a cake, guys. It's carrot cake. And they're like, wow. And really, yeah, no, exactly. It, you know, throwing it all in a bowl and stuck it in the oven. So <laughs> that's a good one. Fair. Okay. So you were also on the Great British Bake Off. Yes. Which is another super cool. That's, again, like such an amazing thing to have done and to have been part of mm. because I know that everyone actually tunes in to watch that <laughs> like that is one of the few things that unites us as a nation is it that does. everyone tunes in to watch it it really does so it's a yeah it's one of those few shows that I think like the whole family can watch no matter your background yeah. like everyone just watches Bake Off it's a great show yeah like we we so my family house We'd kind of grown up watching the Food Channel a lot anyway, but that was mm. definitely one of those things where even if I wasn't really watching TV at the time, we, we we could all kind of come together and watch. But what was that experience like? And also just what even prompted you to go on? Because I have no idea what level of expertise you need to just decide this is what I'm going <laughs> to do now. It was a weird one. I think I've like, I've always loved watching Bake Off. It's one of my favourite shows. And like from season one, that was my thing. Like all of my friends knew, yeah, Benji, that's what, that's her thing. That's her show. They never really got it. Um, and like as the years went on, as the seasons went on, and as I kind of started baking a lot more in my spare time, I'd watch it and think, oh, I could, I could do that. Like I've, I've done that before. I've made that and it was nice. So, okay, you know, why not? Um, and then I think it was 20, was it 2015, the year that came on 2015. So that was, I think, Nadia's year. Um who won that year I thought oh do you know what I'm going to apply I'm going to do it like just give it a go what's the worst that could happen and then downloaded the application form and it was just so intimidating it was like 10 pages long so many questions this have you done this have you done that and I was like oh I've not done that not done that what is that oh and kind of just freaked out and left it and then just thought do you know what maybe this is not for me and then the following year it was kind of coming up, had watched the season, it was coming up to the deadline. And I just thought, you know what, let me give it a go. Literally, what is the worst that could happen? They'll say, no, we don't want you. Cool. Carry, carry on with my life. No one has to know. 
Um, so again, downloaded the form, just filled it out. It was like a few hours before the deadline. I was so like, I'm in an RN, didn't tell anyone and then just submitted it and then forgot about it. And then, yeah, then you got a, got a call back and I was like, oh my gosh, what? Oh, and then each step just kind of getting further and further in the process. And I thought, oh, I really should tell someone like let me let someone know <laughs> before this gets yeah. too serious oh, so you hadn't told anyone I hadn't told then? anyone I was like I'm not going to tell anyone just you know <laughs> if I don't get on it never happens no one has to know Fair. um but yeah I've, as I do um as I kept going through the audition process I thought okay let me just you know let the family know um which was really exciting and then suddenly got a call to say yeah you're going to be on and that was just the craziest crazy. craziest moment and super exciting but also then like oh, I've actually got to do this now. Oh, sugar. Yeah. Oh, can I even bake? What? Oh, I don't know. Um. So yeah, but the actual process and once we started filming was like just such a unique experience. Like I remember walking in the um into the tent for the first week, and it was just so like overwhelming. You're meeting all the other bakers for the first time, like yeah. getting to know the crew and seeing all the cameras and they're setting you up and showing you where to stand and the mics. And it was just like, oh my gosh. And then you get to meet Paul and Mary. And that was like, oh my gosh, how am I actually here? And then also trying to remember, okay, you know, what am I doing this week? What's the recipe? I don't want to be the first one to go home. That would be so embarrassing. Oh, oh my gosh. Um, so, so many thoughts, so many emotions. But as the weeks went on, um, you know, just got so much more confident and relaxing it and thinking, okay, yeah, I'm, I'm supposed to be here. I can, I can do this. I can bake. Um, and just started enjoying it a lot more. And, but, um, yeah, it was, it was super challenging, like very, very pressured, you know, having to bake under really strict time conditions that you wouldn't normally do at home, having to make things that you've never made before. And just everything was, it was really pressured, really intense, um, probably a lot more intense than I was expecting. Um, but again, learned so, so, so much and was stretched in areas that I probably wouldn't have um, attempted myself if I hadn't been on the show. So it yeah. was, yeah, an incredible experience. I think that's one of the biggest things for me, because I mean, I've, like I said, I've watched so many cooking shows and I really enjoy watching them, especially things like MasterChef, Iron mm. Chef, GBBO, all of those love things. Them. And you watch everyone going around, Bobby Flay, all of those guys doing their thing. And I love it. But I also know that could never be me because <laughs> the pressure just seems immense. Like I cannot imagine them just saying, you know, here's some random ingredients, just cook, like go. And then you have to, you know, in your case, like bake something just then and there. Do you need, I don't even know, like what? <laughs> it's like, you what do you have, need? <laughs> Yeah, like, do you already have, like, some basic recipes or things in mind? Or is it completely freestyle, like you're just chefing it up? It's a mix of things. So with, with Bake Off, so you'd have, like, the two challenges that you would have prepared for, which is great. So you have time to kind of think of ideas, think of recipes. And then you have, like, the technical challenge where they just say, this is the recipe. You might have heard of it. You might have not heard of it. Go. Um, mm. And so that that challenge is where you really have to kind of, I don't know, use your baker's intuition, I guess, and maybe compare it to recipes you've done before and just use knowledge from different techniques and different areas of baking to try and make it work. Um, but yeah, doing it on the spot is is hard. There were times where I did well and times where I really did not do so well. Um, but <laughs> it was it was fun all the same. And yeah, just being put on the spot, you learn, you learn to work very quickly. You learn to think on your feet really quickly um, and just 
make decisions very, very quickly. Does this look right? Does this look wrong? Do I want to start again? Yes, no, keep going. Boom, yeah. move on. Um, yeah, it was it was crazy. <laughs> was the experience very communal? Was it like super competitive between you and everyone else that was on? Or did you guys actually kind of get along, maybe you know, mm. learn things from each other? We did. I think that's another thing that sets Bake Off apart from maybe shows like MasterChef or... Um, yes particularly the american shows anyway is that it's super wholesome in all aspects and so it doesn't it didn't feel like a competition so much um we were super supportive of each other and genuinely not just you know for the camera like we didn't want anyone to fail and so like you would see someone who was having who was struggling oh my gosh my biscuit tower is falling ah oh, help me and we would generally want to want to help um, and people helped me when i was like having a bit of a meltdown um and it was such a nice kind of family vibe because we knew we were all in the same boat together we we're all feeling the same things and going through the same experience and we spent a lot of time together like in the green room um waiting around you know for like with them to reset things and so we had a lot of time to kind of bond and just chat and get to know one another and we're still really good friends now we still have got our whatsapp group going we still catch up when everyone's in london um so it really is a nice um a nice group of friends who yeah all love baking as much as each other so that was a wow. massive plus plus side of the show we'll be right back after this break It's hard to tell which sites are safe and which are downright sketchy. But with Cox Panoramic Wi-Fi Advanced Security, it's easy. It protects all your connected devices, helps you avoid sketchy sites, and even sends real-time alerts straight to your inbox or phone. Plus, you can always check in with the Panoramic Wi-Fi app. So the only surprises are that there are no surprises. Learn more at cox.com pano. Restrictions apply. Copyright 2020 Cox Communications, Inc. All rights reserved. Circle K is America's thirst stop, and yours, especially when the weather gets, and you need to stay, stay refreshed on the go with ice-cold Circle K favorites, like freshly ground iced coffee, Froster, Polar Pop Cup, and more. And right now at Circle K, score with 28-ounce Gatorade, any flavor, three for $5. When life's go, 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 make us your first stop, because Circle K is America's thirst stop. Yeah, that's so nice. But I mean, yeah, even as you were saying it, I was also just thinking of the secondhand PTSD of just the pressure of watching. I think it's it's the cameras. Do you feel like they're in your face as you're baking? Because I guess that's, again, a very different environment to maybe just baking in your house for your friends, for your family, mm. having these cameras. And also people, well, inevitably watching at home. Did you feel that pressure as well or did you feel like you could actually just concentrate and be in the moment I think in the first couple of weeks uh I was really you were really conscious of the cameras because it was just so new and it's like oh my gosh there's a lot of cameras in this tent right now oh am I going to say the right thing but also I want to focus on my baking can you guys go away um but as the weeks went on and you got to know the camera guys they were really really cool and just were like you know we need to capture this if this is a DV show, um, but obviously we don't want to intrude. And so you were able to kind of 
say, okay, just give me a second, please. And then, you know, okay, come, come back in a minute and then ask me those questions. And they were really respectful of that. So as the weeks went on, you know, definitely got more comfortable and almost just forgot that they were there. And you're just so just in the zone, like, I know what I've got to get done, mm. focus. Um, but in terms of people watching, that didn't really cross my mind at all until it was like about to come on TV, like the first episode. And then you just, yeah. I think we all had a bit of a panic, like, oh my gosh, what if people just, because people will just hate you just, just because they want to. <laughs> and if they want to tweet yeah. about you, they're just going to do it. And so I think that was a big worry for all of us. Just like, what if they just hate us for an absolutely no reason? What's that mm. going to be like? Oh, if they're going to troll you, they're going to troll you. Um, so that was a bit of a, uh, but luckily I think majority of us um, had really positive experiences with like social media and kind of comments from people. Um, a yeah. couple of people did have it worse than others, but on the whole, it was it was quite positive, which was nice because you just don't know you just don't know what people are going to say, and that could have been quite um, yeah demoralizing, I guess. Yeah, read stuff about you that's just like, oh, why do they hate me? Yeah, no, exactly. But, yeah, all in all, quite positive. And so what have you been up to since then? Oh, plenty of things. <laughs> it feels like such a long, <laughs> such a long time ago, but um, yeah, goodness me. Lot, like, I mean, I've been able to, as a result of the show, I've been able to kind of work within the food industry full time, which is incredible mm. um, and something that I don't think I would have maybe had the guts to do or would have been as confident to do if I hadn't been on the show Um so it definitely gave me a platform to to take it full time, which is great. Um, and mm. it's just done lots of different th food things. I think starting out, um, it was a lot of trial and error and seeing what kind of things I liked and what I didn't like. And even if I wanted to do it, um, food full time. So just a lot of kind of food demos, a lot of kind of classes and that sort of thing. Um, but I've been able to write the book, which was a massive um, goal of mine. Um, been able to work with some really cool brands for some like content creation I do a lot of food styling now at the moment um, and yeah. recipe writing and recipe development uh, work with a really cool um, social enterprise charity called Luminary Bakery um, and they essentially work with disadvantaged women who um, uh, in the disadvantaged women in the community and we they come on a six-month course and we teach them how to bake um, absolutely everything and so being able to do some classes with them is great and kind of give back in a way and um that sounds amazing yeah lots many things, <laughs> many things. <laughs> yeah no that sounds amazing but in terms of the food styling mm. like can you explain how that works and not just from the perspective of you know because obviously we we met and you explained that you were a food stylist and I was like wow that sounds <laughs> so niche and so interesting um, but legitimately, because I've seen your pictures now, and oh. <laughs> when I take pictures of food, it just does, it's not the same thing. So <laughs> you need to explain like how, first of all, how you get so good. Is it you that takes pictures yourself? And yeah, all of that. Mm. So food styling it is, it's such a niche job, but it is a job that is so like prevalent in everyone's day to day's life. We just don't realize it. So whenever you see food anywhere, whether it's packaging in a supermarket, in a magazine, food on a billboard, um, a restaurant advertising, anywhere that you see food out and about, it's, it's been styled by a food stylist um, and then shot by a photographer. So essentially, That's so cool. food stylists, they 
but make the food ready to be photographed, make it camera ready, essentially. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, you'd often be the ones cooking the food or baking the food and then styling it and getting it ready to be photographed or be filmed. Um, so, yeah, it's a it's a really fun, weird job. But, yeah, I love it. And every <laughs> every sheet is so different. Um, yeah. But for my stuff, um, yeah, I for like social media and things, I photograph that for myself, Instagram. And that's a lot yeah. of trial and error, loads and loads and loads of just trial and error and figuring out what kind of style you like. So I like mine quite minimal um, and that's reflected mm. in my book as well. It's really pared back, really simple, um, not too many like props and not very cluttered and just really bright and fresh. Um and there's, yeah, a gazillion ways to, to style food, but that's what I like for my um, kind of feed. But yeah, it's just a lot of practice, a lot, a lot of practice and trial and error, um, doing test shoots with photographers to just build a portfolio. Um, but it's it's a fun job. It's a really, really fun job. And it get you know, you're, you, you get to work with some really cool brands, um, some really cool projects and other creatives, photographers and art directors. So it's a fun one. Again, do you think there's a big learning curve for that? Because, you know, when you're watching, there's a lot of things that you see and you're kind of judging your ability in terms of, you know, could I do that? And I was looking at some of your pictures and I was like, I feel like there's a whole set of skills in terms of actually baking the the cakes and the pastries and all of that stuff. And then even if I could bake it, could I take pictures that look like this? I hear you. But you know what? When I look back on some of the photos I was taking like two, three years ago, I cringe. I'm like, oh, that was really okay. that was poor. <laughs> that was shoddy. And, you know, and it's growth. <laughs> like the growth is. Yeah. yeah. You look back and think I actually thought that was good at some point And, you know, just practice, practice, practice and just interacting with other stylists, with other food um, bloggers, food photographers and assisting other stylists, working with a different range of people because everyone has such different way of doing things. Um, so it's really cool to spend time with other stylists and photographers just to see how people do the same thing in 10 completely different ways um, is, is mm. really interesting. So it is a lot of just getting stuck in, trying it, trying it, trying it. Um, for things like social media, there, I mean, there are like little tips that you could uh, use. So things like natural light, people always, um, it's funny when you can see photos that were taken like in a room with the light on and you've got that like yellow tinge and I'm like, oh yeah. no, don't do that. <laughs> Just like natural light is your friend. Just get, sit, you know, by a window, a plain black background and just start, start from there. Natural light is, makes such a difference. Okay. These are good tips because I'm good definitely tips. going to be trying it and I will, <laughs> I will be sharing them with you. So they better bang. Like my, my <laughs> no pressure, no pressure. <laughs> definitely no pressure because I feel like, again, yeah, like I was saying, I've I've definitely tried taking pictures of things I've made in the past. And and to my eyes, this looks good. Like this is great. And mm. it's just it's just not the same as some of the stuff that I've seen you do. Oh, thank you. Well, yeah, if you need any more tips, you know, shout. I'll do my best. <laughs> oh, thanks. I will do. I, I definitely will take you up on that. So I know that you also run the, or have been running, the sister table. Yes, yes. How did that come about? And just tell me more about it in general. 
Mm, so this is a table, um, essentially series of like pop up brunch clubs and supper clubs that I run with my actual real life sister, um, Bonita. And we, so food is a massive part of my life. And I always like my sister and I, we love having friends round for dinner parties. Like we, we host a good dinner party, I will say. So that's something that we do. We did like at home quite regularly. And it was just really cool to kind of invite friends from different friendship groups and just to everyone to get to know each other. And we just style the table and I do like a massive feast. And it was just really, really good times of our friends just getting to know each other over food. Um, and we thought this could be a really cool thing to do on a bigger scale. Like we could scale this up and just invite other really cool women and just do great food in really cool venues. And so that's kind of how the Sister Table started. Um, and we chose, we predominantly do brunch. Um, and that was because, for a few reasons, I think brunch, everyone loves brunch. It's just something mm. that has exploded in the last few years. And it's just a little bit more informal, I think, than dinner. Um, and it's just got a more relaxed kind of vibe, which is what we wanted to have for for our events. And so every other month we host um, a brunch for about 30 women um, in different venues in London. Um, we do a really nice three course meal. And um, yeah, it's just a really relaxed time of getting to know some other cool women, building relationships, having a good meal, good afternoon. And we've been doing that for a couple of years now. Um, and they've gone really, really well. We won um, a Young British Food Award last year Wow! for our events, which was amazing after just being set up for about eight months and we won that. So that was really cool. Um, and have gotten to do some brunch clubs and supper clubs for some um, really cool brands as a result of it. So yeah we we love it absolutely love it wow that's so cool especially being able to win awards for for a brunch club yeah (laughs) the coolest thing about it is the fact that you make the food because you know the brunch clubs exist to the extent that you know people meet for brunch Mm. but i don't think even of all the ones that i know i don't think any any of them actually involve people well the hosts at least cooking the food Mm. And I think that's that's what gives it a more um, kind of homely, relaxed, cosy feel. I think it feels like people are kind of coming into our home, even though we use, um, you know, different venues in London. It feels like you are coming into our home, into our space. We're cooking for you. Uh, and it just makes it so relaxed and just so such a welcoming atmosphere, which is something that we really, um, yeah, take pride in that anyone is welcome and just come have a good afternoon and yeah networking but without calling it a networking event as well um yeah yeah so they're really they're really fun yeah no i can imagine that must be so cool i wish i could (laughs) because they do sound they sound really amazing what would you say again going back to my uh line of inquisition what's (laughs) kind of the best the best thing that you've made at a brunch club or yeah a favorite thing or something that's been received mm. the best because i know maybe you're talking and having discussions but has there been anything you've made where you've been like boom done it like that was that was it that mm. right there that's a couple of things i think so every brunch club we start with um uh, granola and then some sort of like seasonal fruit with that and that's I started doing um, a tahini granola, which was just has just been really, really popular. So I love tahini. Mm. It's traditionally used in hummus 
um, and like Middle okay. Eastern cooking. But it also works really, really well in sweet applications as well. So I started using it in the granola and that has just been really pop, like weirdly popular. And so we do the same tahini granola every um, brunch event and just kind of change what we pair it with. But that's something that's gone down really, really well. Um, and that's, yeah, one that we love. I love making that. And also, what else has been that did I really love? I think we did a Christmas um, brunch. I think it was last year. And that was that was a fun one to plan because I love Christmas. I really Christmas is one of my favorite times <laughs> of the year. I love yeah, just Christmas same. food. It's the best. And I thought, how can we get the Christmas vibe? but into a brunch. Like I'm not doing a roast dinner. This is brunch. We've got to keep it <laughs> fairly light, yeah. fairly cute. Um, and so, but I really wanted to incorporate Christmas flavors. So we did. Um, yeah. Was this say, actually at Christmas time? Just to Yeah, it was. Yeah. <laughs> it was, yeah. In December. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> not in June. <laughs> um, so yeah, like early December. And so we did a savory French toast. Um, and that was had like kind of um, some sage in the batter with that as well. And that was with, um, also, it's like these little sage and onion croquettes that I did with some mush, like really finely chopped mushrooms. And then you form it into like a, so it's kind of like a stuffing, sage and onion stuffing mushroom okay. croquette. Um, and then I did this really cool parsnip puree that went with that. And then some cranberry jam um, and a bit of bacon on the side as well. And then some wilted spinach. But that was a really fun one because it was just like, this tastes like Christmas, but it's also brunch. Yeah. This is great. So that was one that I really love putting together as well. Okay, awesome. That does sound really cool. I'd love to try that sometime. Mm. <laughs> Christmas. <laughs> Christmas. <laughs> yeah. So how do you feel like, obviously, you know, we're in a very particular point in, in time with lockdown mm. and coronavirus and all that stuff going on. How has that kind of changed maybe the types of things that you make? I'm, I'm assuming you're still cooking. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Every day. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. So how, how has that changed change things for you? Oh, I think for a lot of people, well, I mean, I cook a lot anyway. I think yeah. people in general are finding themselves cooking a lot more than usual. Um, suddenly you're having to make three meals a day at home and you've probably not done that before. And it's like, oh, yeah. so I've been really trying in terms of the recipes that I've been sharing on social media, I've been trying to really use store cupboard ingredients. And so using ingredients that people are likely to have sitting in your cupboard, things that probably don't involve a lot of um, like eggs and dairy. Cause I know at well, the start of this pandemic, it was really tricky to get eggs and milk and butter and that sort of thing. And so yeah, initially I was, definitely. yeah. So initially I was trying to share recipes that were um, yeah. Utilizing store cupboard ingredients, but without like eggs or without dairy. So that was a really fun um fun kind of challenge but um yeah I think people are, are using store cupboard ingredients so that tin of I don't know chickpeas that you've had sitting in the cupboard for a year <laughs> you think you're mm. get, having to get a lot more creative with that and think okay what can I do with this and that's really cool to see um just people thinking how can I use these ingredients I've always had um in a new way in an exciting way um 
so yeah and there's a lot of banana breads being made I think <laughs> yes, I don't know about so you but on my feed it's just everyone is making <laughs> banana breads I'm like why do we yeah. have why do we all have all these bananas suddenly lying around that's, but, a, that's the funniest thing like I have yeah. no idea why that's the default yeah, like. <laughs> that's a, that is a quarantine cake is is yeah. banana bread so I mean I'm here for it but it's, it's been funny to see um, and also a lot of people are getting into sourdough I've noticed on mm, my feed yes, anyway yeah, I've seen that yeah it's it's sourdough is it's a tricky one um but it's a really cool kind of bread to make because you don't need yeast which again has been quite tricky for a lot of people to to source at the moment and so it's yeah it's something that you have to it's almost like a pet you have to look after sourdough every single day you've got to work on your starter and feed it every day and I think people like that kind of meditative bread baking act it's quite soothing making mm. bread so I think that's why yeah. a lot of people have reverted to to bread making so that's been really cool to watch and just seeing people who don't normally bake like ever or cook that much ever <laughs> yeah. suddenly you know asking for recipe ideas and tips and things that's been really cool I can't lie I've definitely slowly been dragged into the uh sourdough hype have especially you? because first of all I couldn't find any yeast anywhere yeah um mm-hmm. but also I mean not that I have actually tried but I've just been watching other people do it and I've been absorbing so many videos and recipes and I'm going to attempt it soon just because again, it's one of those things where I don't even think I've tried making bread before cake. Mm. Yeah, definitely I can do that. And other types of pastry type things. Mm. But you know what, what made me pause is because I watched one person make this amazing looking bread and I was Mm. like, wow, I want to try that. And then I saw someone else try that recipe that they, the <laughs> original person shared, and it was not the same thing. Oh, no. It was not the same thing. So I was like, ah, you know, maybe is this not. Where I to start? <laughs> and that's it's so hard to find reliable recipes. I think in a time where there's so much content out there, particularly now in the yeah. pandemic, there's content galore. It can be tricky to find reliable recipes, and so I tend to stick with people that I have trusted and I know that you've tested this rather than just mm. one person who said, yeah, I made this once and here's the recipe. Give it a go. Mm, I'm probably not going <laughs> to, probably not going to try that. Um, yeah. But yeah, there's some, but bread baking is so, so relaxing. Oh, it's such a soothing act. So I definitely mm. recommend trying some bread. It's really cool. Yeah. My mom used to make bread and that's why it's one of those annoying things that I'm not uh, at my family home. At the moment, because mm. I would hope, <laughs> I hope for some of those things. So I'm actually having to learn everything for myself now, <laughs> which is uh, unfortunate. Well, everything with regards to, you know, baking, I can cook other things myself. Okay, that's cool. That's cool. <laughs> so how would you recommend people get into making things, making things themselves and also making things from home, both in terms of baking, but also other things right mm, now? In terms of cooking. I think it just starts with giving something a go, particularly if you're someone who maybe doesn't cook much anyway, and it can be a bit intimidating. Suddenly I have to make so many meals. Oh, what do I yeah. do? I think just giving something a go and experimenting, particularly with cooking over baking, you can, you can, you can get away with freestyling a lot more and kind of going with the flow compared to baking. Um, and I think just okay. finding a few people trusted sources online, Um, (laughs) not, you know, one 
babe that just decided oh this is how you make this just find a few trusted sources online um that are quite maybe that have recipes that are quite approachable that don't use a million ingredients um and just starting starting with the basics again i guess having you know like one good pasta dish under your belt one good rice dish one good kind of potato dish and then you can build on that and start incorporating other things and adding more flavors and ingredients but i think once you've got your kind of base recipes it's really easy to kind of just chop and change and experiment and depending on what you've got yeah okay that sounds really good on that note have you ever i mean this is not even something i was planning to ask but have you (laughs) ever tried making pasta from scratch yes i mean i haven't i've watched well so two different versions one when i was at one point i was living in shanghai for a bit Mm. and I was working for at a law firm there and we used to go for lunch together. And we went to this place, which is literally around the corner. It wasn't even like anything upscale. If anything, it was just kind of like a greasy, you know, the equivalent of mm. like one of those greasy breakfast places here. Oh, but they can be the best but, places sometimes. Yeah, no, it was. Yeah. <laughs> because they made all the pasta with their hands and it was ridiculous. Like you would just see them <laughs> in the back just stringing this pasta. And then also they cut it again just with a knife with their hands Mm. and so when you get it it has all these like ragged lines so it's not even like finely sliced wow yeah love fresh pasta like it's just and it's just literally just two ingredients like pasta flour and eggs that is all that you need mm. to make to start and make pasta and of course there are some recipes that you know are probably better with a pasta machine but if you've just got a rolling pin you can make pasta, some flour, some eggs. You can do your own pasta, and it's just—I love it. Really? Like it's, it's you're saying best. this—is it as simple as, as you're <laughs> saying, or is this something I'm going to need to try a few times? I think there are different types. So I would start with there's a type of pasta called I'm probably going to say it wrong, but picci. It's spelled <laughs> like P-I-C-I. I think it's picci, um, okay. and Italian pasta, and it's made actually without eggs. So it is just kind of like a flour. Oh and water dough and that is a really good um kind of starter yeah (laughs) that's a really good starter recipe so I would start there just to get you know a vibe and then incorporating um some eggs for some other pastas but it is it doesn't have to be you know like rustic food is like just sometimes tastes better so homemade pasta even if it's jaggedy around the edges the fact that you made it I think sometimes is enough (laughs) Yeah, no, no. I can imagine the satisfaction of having made something like that yourself. Yeah, it's it's really rewarding, and it just makes you appreciate. I think like restaurants who make like fresh pasta on mass. It's like the first time I made pasta, I thought, "Wow, these guys do this in massive quantities, like every single day." Yeah, like one of my favorite pasta places called Padella um, in London okay. Bridge is phenomenal. Oh, like, I've heard of that. like divine like the best pasta and so so affordable like forget vapianos i'm sorry i'm gonna say it's like (laughs) i i detest that place so much you know what i'm with you on that i know people will hate on me but i um, know i don't want to say it controversial but i don't like (laughs) it at all like if you want pasta that's not where you should go anyway um padella is incredible and also half the price of vaps anyway and it's wow padella is so affordable like you can get a bowl of pasta for like six pounds and it's handmade you can see them making it and it's just the taste is phenomenal so if you want good pasta Mm. i recommend checking out padella good spot 
That's so crazy because I'd heard a lot about it and I just assumed it was going to be some upscale-ish mm, Fancy schmancy. It's really kind yeah. of really humble, really humble spot. Ah, lovely. Okay. Are you ever going to open up a spot for us to, uh, <laughs> to visit or is that not your calling? I don't, do you know what? It's something that I've thought about and toyed with for a while. And I think it's something I just, I want to get the concept right before kind of diving mm. in. Like I'd love to have a space where we could do our sister table events. Um, oh, other yeah. people can kind of use it for events. Um, I could use it as a studio space, kind of like a multi kind of purpose spot, which is I think growing in popularity in London. There's quite a few places that are doing something similar to that right now. Um, so they're oh. like a cafe slash kind of coffee shop bakeries type place in the day and then have um, kitchens that they rent out and really cool event space. So that would be that would be the goal. That would be something that would love to kind of open up one day. But we'll see. Okay. We'll look forward to that. <laughs> and also to this uh, second cookbook. Yes. Second cookbook, which I think at the right now it's just kind of thinking of ideas and what I would actually want to say and not just doing another one for the sake of it, but thinking about something that yeah. I would actually like, yeah, to teach people, I guess, but definitely, definitely on the cards. But I'm definitely inspired now having spoken to you about pasta and baking and <laughs> sourdough and all, all the good things. things. I definitely want to, yeah, definitely. I, I really want to go and uh, try something in my kitchen and see what happens. Yeah, give it a go. The best, the best things are just the experiments that you just have no clue what's going to happen. I saw a recipe actually the other day for a woman who is, um, she like uses, she kind of like talks about food waste and how we can reduce food waste. And she made a recipe using banana skins. It was like oh, wow. barbecue okay. pulled banana skins. What? Yeah, great. <laughs> but it looked, I was like, why? Why? Really? why? Just, I think wow. you can throw it away. But so there are th people doing really, really experimental, funny things at the moment. So it's a good time to kind of jump in and give things a go. Wow, I actually want to look for that now. <laughs> Not that it sounds appetizing, but I just want to understand what happens and what yeah, the process it looked, is. And it genuinely good. looked good. I was pleasantly surprised. Okay. I was like, well, I would, wow. I would try that. I would give it a go. Yeah. Yeah. I did see someone making... I mean, this was definitely not along the same lines because I saw someone say they were making um, like vegetarian bacon. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and it was literally just they sliced carrots and oh, then just no, put but like then seasoning like, on them. Don't call it bacon. Like, call it seasoned carrots. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> it's not bacon, and it's okay that it's not bacon. <laughs> uh, yeah, I know. But no, I will stop um, attacking vegan people. Uh, <laughs> yeah, we, we, love, we, love, sure. we love the vegans. We love the vegans. We do. Yeah, we definitely, do. definitely. Yeah. I myself am pseudo-vegan, as as many people will know. <laughs> so yeah, but thank you so much for coming and inspiring not just me, but everyone that will listen oh, to this. Thanks for having me. This was fun. I could talk about food for days, so this is great. Same. But it's good having people that actually know what they're talking about, because I love and enjoy food. <laughs> But, you know, yeah, probably not the best source of, you know, knowledge and wisdom on the issue. <laughs> Thank you so much for tuning in. 
please do stay tuned for more don't forget to rate review and subscribe it really helps the podcast and follow me on twitter feel free to shoot me any thoughts see you next time how did we become central ohio's most trusted team of orthopedic experts we focus on what matters most our patients at orthopedic one we know we're only at our best when we're helping you get better And every day, your commitment to overcoming pain and injury inspires and moves us. That's why we bring our best every day to earn your trust. Find a physician near you at orthopedicone.com. It's hard to tell which sites are safe and which are downright sketchy. But with Cox Panoramic Wi-Fi Advanced Security, it's easy. It protects all your connected devices helps you avoid sketchy sites, and even sends real-time alerts straight to your inbox or phone. Plus, you can always check in with the Panoramic Wi-Fi app. So the only surprises are that there are no surprises. Learn more at cox.com slash pano. Restrictions apply. Copyright 2020 Cox Communications, Inc. All rights reserved.